Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Um, well, let's see. Hope you all have had a, uh, a good Thanksgiving. I, uh, I just stayed at home and my kids were with their mom, so I just watched some old movies and I watched that movie Seven again, too. That was so dark. Um, but then I watched The Big, I think it's called The Big Sleep, Marlon Brando. That's pretty good. Um, well, so, anyhow, glad you all could make it today. Um, lots going on, and I think we'll probably just get right into it. And today might even be, you know, nice and, and cool, yeah. Let's see, uh, Roberta, I made it in Netflix. That's what I did. I made it in Netflix day. Um, watched a lot of, a lot of, a lot of movies and just chilled out. And I went to the grocery store and I bought a turkey sandwich that was pre-made. And I thought, oh, this would be great. And then it was stale. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, but I treated myself and ate a whole pumpkin pie. Don't tell. <laughs> um, treat yourself. Um, so today I want to talk about uh, here at the Revolution. Uh, one of the things that's always been important to me is, is honesty, and that's what I want to talk about today is, uh, is uh, honesty. And... Um, And what that means growing up in the church, uh, growing up in, in Christianity, uh, I mean, just honesty in general. I, I, I've been reading some philosophy and talking about the, you know, the concept of like trying to be not so much brutally uh, honest, but... Um, just being honest and, and how we often uh, don't realize how low regards we have for honesty in some ways in our lives and with others and and how we uh, you know when it comes to 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 politics or religion or, or things like that and so we're going to talk a little bit about that so I, I was uh, raised in um, uh, with free thinkers, you know, assemblies of God, as free as thinkers as you can be in the assemblies of God. And um, but my parents were always like, you know, you've got to be honest, you've got to be kind. Um, that kind of thing. And uh, always treat others with respect like back at back at back when i was growing up at, at heritage usa you know they had stores and things like that you know my dad would like you know i could not take a candy bar without making sure it was paid for or anything like that you know he always made sure that i was just always you know everything you know this isn't we don't use people we don't take from people we don't do things like so that's how i was raised and so you know when my whole family went through that scandal it was it was very confusing to say the least for me um it was very confusing um because i had been how i'd been raised to kind of see things and respect things and respect others and love others and and my parents really put that in in into me um, so honesty became, you know, a very big thing for me. 
Um, and I was also brought up to, to love Jesus. But why do we love Jesus? We love Jesus so we can love other people. We love other people because Jesus loves other people. We love people because Jesus loves people. We love Jesus because Jesus loves people. We love people because people love Jesus. You know, whatever. Not because people love Jesus, just because everybody deserves to be loved. And that's what my mom and dad told me, basically. That was what I got from the Gospels. It was just simply that. Like, we didn't have Bible study. My parents didn't talk a lot of religion at home to me. Um, matter of fact, when the last, one of the last times I saw my dad was a few Christmases, oh my gosh, four or five Christmases ago, and, um, they brought out a birthday cake for Jesus. <laughs> it was just, that just wasn't how I was raised with my parents, you know, it wasn't very, it wasn't a very religious upbringing, um, which sounds strange, I know, but it just seems like, you know, that wasn't what we had at home. You know, we just, but it wasn't, I guess, if you want to, if you want to boil down religion to loving others and loving your neighbors as yourself and that type of thing, that was, that was the respect. Like, you know, you always treated everyone with respect. Um, you, you, you treat the, you know, the garbage man with the same respect you, you, you treat the president or big preachers who were visiting or whatever, you know, um, that was always what I was taught. So I was brought up to love and respect also the Bible, the word of God, the God and the love and love of truth. And that was a thing. So I was, you know, got to love truth, love others, love God. And these are the, these are the, the ideals that we are, we were, I was raised with in Christianity. Um, so, so I did it, but there, but there lies the rub, the journey, the beginning of the journey. What happens is, is when you, when you have those concepts and they start to already kind of rub against the system. And I think that's one of the reasons my parents fell so hard is because it wasn't just like their enemies were everybody, you know, in a way, because they were already kind of pushing against the, the assembly of God, theology and ideas and, and you know, having people like Steve on and, and things like that on television. And, and so they were already making people uncomfortable, you know, um, Jimmy Swagger didn't like the fact that my parents had like a hotel and water park. He didn't think that was very godly. Um, you know, Christian rock music, that type of thing wasn't, wasn't acceptable. And so they kind of got rid of like a lot of that stuff. Um, people didn't like that, you know, and then you had a lot of like liberals who just thought, oh, all Christians are the same, you know, oh, they're all just a bunch of bastards, you know? And so when my parents fell, it was just like, oh, we knew it, like from the left and from the right. It was like, well, maybe it's good because these guys aren't joining in like they were. Like my dad refused to join the moral majority and things like that. So you got all this stuff, you know, happening. Um, so I'm already with rebels. Like I'm being raised a little bit by these rebels. But who are also with this high belief of the authority of Scripture and, you know, Christianity. And so that was what kind of started my road was this, this respect and love and desire for the truth. And, you know, I was raised to believe that the Bible couldn't have contradictions or didn't have contradictions or shouldn't have contradictions. So to my surprise, when I started to realize that the Bible did have contradictions, um, you know, I think I did originally what a lot of people did was try to like do acrobats, you know, like an acrobat. And like, well, well, you know, well, let's go into the, you know, see what the, what the, <laughs> what the time was of the cousin. Or maybe this particular letter was written to this particular group. And so we can justify that contradiction that way. You know, like it was like how we had to justify the contradictions. Um, you know, and now realizing like getting into decent scholarship. You know, and you start to see that there's parts of, of the Bible that were either added at later dates. I mean, the pastoral epistles we know aren't Paul, but are claimed to be Paul. You know, there's parts in Corinthians that were added later. Um, and some uh, 
some thinkers believe that those were actually the same people who did the um, did the pastoral epistles, went in and, and messed around with like Corinthians and things like that. Some of the scholarship shows that. And so, you know, those are things like over time, it takes a lot of time to kind of learn to adjust to that because you've been kind of told to toe this line and to think this way and to find ways to justify the thing, you know, this. Th so, so you almost have, you're almost given, I mean, I was almost given, I'm not one to speak for everybody else, but I was almost given like these lenses of how to see the truth, how to understand the truth and to keep the truth within uh, a theological boundary. You know, and, and this is how it ha has to be. Um, but when I started to find out things that people didn't like, or when I started to come to these ideas that people didn't, <laughs> didn't like, and especially like people like my dad who taught me to think this way, and my mom was like, well, you're getting really outspoken. Aren't you nervous that they're going to destroy you? And I'm like, yeah, but this is what you guys told me to do was to kind of think this way and be completely honest about these and have these questions. Um, and what I started to realize is that a lot of the community I grew up in kind of had this agreement to have honesty within limits. Honesty within the limits of theology. Honesty within their limits of tradition. And so it was, you know, their truth. And so you'll see this a lot when people argue Bible with Bible scholars or historians and things like this because they get really uncomfortable and they feel like in some ways they have to compromise the truth or they have to think, they have to make up that somehow these historians are like <laughs> secret agents for the devil or something like, oh no, you're coming to, you're trying to, prove us wrong and, and that's why you're doing it and it's your your agenda it's your liberal agenda you know it's whatever you know it's oh are you a christian you know and that's when they start going to start, what kind of you know because they want you to they want you to have a dog in the fight um but i i think it's more interesting when they're not because they're just going like well no i'm just trying to have a non you know so all of a sudden it, it, they must be like i'm going to destroy christianity <laughs> you know that type of thing <laughs> comes into it which is really you know, we start to say, oh, they must be evil. Rather than thinking that somehow maybe we have compromised the truth to believe what we want to believe, to remain comfortable to try to justify what we believe and who's in and who's out. And, you know, that the fact is, is that this is, you know, we might be wrong, you know, but we'd rather this person be like, have spent 15 years in school to just try to be a secret agent of the devil which is as bizarre as that sounds, then us being open to maybe there's other ideas, maybe there's another truth, maybe there's not perfect. And so, you know, you find out the Bible's not perfect and people just go nuts. And it's tough um, to, to, to deal with. Now, there's a whole reason I'm going down this trail. This isn't just free thinking uh, moment here, but we're almost there. Um... So you'll see this a lot of times now, like during party lines, you know, what, you know, conservatives mean when they say family values are different than what liberals mean at family values or pro-life, you know, what liberals mean by pro-life and what conservatives mean by pro-life. You know, they have these different ways of seeing it. Like they're like, oh no, oh, abortion, but the death penalty is okay. You know, you'll see stuff like that. You're going like, you know, like. Oh, no abortion, but, you know, no health care for those poor people, you know. So it's like, oh, so, you know, you don't really care about their life. You just want to make sure they're alive, you know. That type of thing. Everybody has their own truths. And I think we look at that a lot. Um, so for me, with towing like these theological lines, especially the evangelical theological lines, you know, you realize is that, it's not it's not scholarship is what I realize. It's not um, historical. It's just their truth. It's just the truth that they feel is true, and they're threatened by it when they're real, when it's not, and they're almost so threatened by it that they'd rather compromise their intellects or compromise 
even common sense at some points uh, in compromise. I think what they may even instinctively know is truth and think that that's like, oh, that must be the enemy. Um, labels help us avoid it, you know, honestly, you know, like if you're not in this line of work, you know, oh, I'm just a Christian, you know. And that's a double-edged sword because sometimes you have to be like, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that kind of Christian, you know, so you have to say what kind of Christian you are. Um, you know, but I mean, I grew up, I just remember people who like had no idea what the Bible said. Just like, I'm just a, I'm just a Bible, I'm a God-loving, Bible-believing, God-fearing Christian, you know, and they'd be like, well, what about, I mean, they don't have no idea. And if they do have an idea, it's, it's uh, sometimes it's, it could be a very simple idea. A lot of these folks I grew up with. And so I start asking these questions, and all of a sudden these questions almost seem demonic. Like, oh, you can't answer that. Well, it's not that I can't ask that question. It's that they can't answer the question. They can't answer the question honestly, or they can't answer the question in a way to justify what, it, what, what, they're, what they're saying is somehow not, well, God's ways are just mysterious, you know, and that type of thing. Like, we just we shouldn't be trying to figure this out. <laughs> um so sometimes labels just, you know, oh, I'm just a Bible believer, you know, so you don't have to keep account of that. Um, so they help us to avoid an honest account of what we believe and what we don't believe. You know, well, you believe that people are going to burn in hell forever. You think that's fair? I don't make the rules. I just believe what the Word of God says, Jay. I just, that's what I believe. And I'm going like, well, actually, did you have you ever... And do you realize, like, the Gospels were written, like, 30 to 60 years after, like, Paul's writings, and then Paul, like, at best believes in annihilation. He never brings up hell, so hell doesn't get brought up until these, like, later writings. And yeah, they put into Jesus' mouth, but is there an idea that maybe these were something that might have been put in later, or, you know something that changed over time, you know, like, can we talk about this? Oh, no, no, no. It's the Word of God. And, you know, and so all of a sudden now it's like, well, what about the forgeries? Well, either they don't believe they're forgeries, or then they start to go like, well, the canon, and the people who put together the canon, they, they were chosen by God to, to pick those forgeries, you know, and they realized that Paul wasn't hard enough on women. They needed to put in, you know, uh, Timothy, and, and, and have a set, pull that out, you know, all these things, you know, like, and so then we're talking about Timothy, and we're trying to go, oh, Timothy was talking to a particular group, and you know, and then we, we're doing these dances. I posted some stuff yesterday from about Dan talking about scholarship and about those particular verses. And uh, it's just, I'm glad that we have scholars now who are online and like using the social media in a really positive way to kind of help people see this stuff. But there's still people who are like, oh, I just believe that God's hand was in it all the way. You know, and, and that becomes this reason to like ignore truths ignore facts to, to not grow to not change to not rebel it's like we 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 get very comfortable within the group thinking we get very comfortable like i i'm never been a fan of people like wake up sheeple but we often do have this sheep mentality of oh we'll just follow and just go along with what it says because it's comfortable and doesn't rock the boat and it doesn't do these things um and so we end up having this kind of honesty within the limits of our structure that one was raised in or grown in. So we, you know, I mean, for example, we're really good, like, okay, like, love your, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, okay, well, I love my neighbor as myself, I'm going to love my enemies. But, like, talk a thing about things like how well we don't love others. We don't love strangers very well. We don't love people we don't know very well. And I'm going to give you an example. What I'm talking to you on, the, this is my phone. Now this phone, supposedly there's children that have to go into the mines to get pieces of the materials that go into this phone. Um, chocolate, children labor, child labor. You know, things like that. Um, diamonds, uh, Nikes, you know, all these different things. And you can argue out and say, well, you know, it helps their, but different ways of that but 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 the thing is, is if we're loving our neighbors as ourselves if we're loving we're, we're not loving our strangers or we're able to ignore certain truths to keep our society together you know um we're able to make up new truths to justify horrors you know like I, 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 like recently i mean i've just seen so many like liberal democrats just be so pro-war and i've just been mind blown by it 
how much they support war and then it almost make it un-American if you don't support war. And I'm like, God, this is just so weird because it used to be, I thought it was, you know, and now it's just people can, can just find their own truths and stick to that truth. Um, I remember when the guy, oh gosh, what the guy took, pulled all of his stuff off of uh, Spotify. Um, what was his name? Keep on rocking in a free world because of... Uh, what's the guy's name? <laughs> I should have this in my notes. But, you know, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, because of Joe Rogan. He's like, if you're going to have Joe Rogan on there talking about horse medicine, I'm not going to put my rock music on there, you know. And then you find out that, like, um, Neil Young, that's his name, Neil Young sold most of his music to BlackRock, the company that, like, keeps poor people from getting into houses and now buys tons of music to, to become millionaire billionaires. And, and it really is like kind of this horrible corporation that makes it impossible for us to buy homes and do, you know, buy poor people to buy homes and buys up whole neighborhoods. And, and it's just not very ethical. And it's all about the bottom line and about greed. And, and then that's who he sold his music to like, you know, so, you know, every time you hear one of his songs, it's, it's, you know, goes there so like you know i get it he wanted to get the most money for his his work great but you're in a glass house so it's probably best not to throw rocks <laughs> you know like you know joe rogan might have said this but you're also you know what i mean it's just like these we live within a certain area of our truths and try to act like, well, I'm the hero because of my truth, you know, and, and that's not necessarily uh, always the case, um, how we're honest about things. So, so there's honesty is that we have to be like, yeah, we compromise a lot in life um, and people are affected horribly and we just rather not know about it because if we did know more about it and we still know, we do know about it. I mean, I just mentioned like cocoa beans and cell phones and computers and the, the you know those hurt people people get hurt connected to those things um our politicians like look at our politicians and people that we think are gonna like save the world and oh there must be our heroes you know and, and they have like like stock option they hold stock within weapons companies you know what i mean so it, it's oh you know oh oh, oh. you know so our heroes are, you know, like, well, what, maybe that's why they like the war is because they sell more weapons and they become more wealthy. And that's also why, you know, they get donations from the, you know, the insurance companies. So, you know, and they're, they have the best insurance there is. So maybe that's why they don't worry about, they're not really worried about us and our medical bills and things like that. You know, it's tough, right? These are all hard truths. And that's why we argue online and do all these things. But this is that facts. I just trying to wrap it within Christianity as well here. And there's a reason I'm doing this and you'll see here in a second. But, you know, so we have honesty within limits. Um, Walter, uh, Walter Kaufman said, we are likely to uh, purchase certainty at the price of honesty. We'd rather have certainty in a party or a way of life or capitalism. I mean, honestly, like I've had more, I've had just as many people get angry about me talking negatively about capitalism, maybe not just as many, but almost as, as when I talk about like not believing in hell or not believing in, you know, like capitalism is, is a religious experience for a lot of people. And so we're likely to purchase certainty at the price of honesty, you know? And so part of the reasons we, the, the, the phones are the way they are, the chocolates, the way they are, the cocoa bean is the way it is. Um, things like that is capitalism, folks. This is just, you know, oh, we can't have slaves here, but we can get them there um, in so many ways. Uh, you know, so so often we, we, we you know, we want to be certain. So, well, you know, denominations, you have to sign a paper that says you're certain that they're their theology is the correct theology and how anybody can do that is mind-boggling to me because I can you know my theology changes so much over the years and has grown and changed and evolved uh, 
with more wisdom and more knowledge that I mean, I would have been through like 15 denominations already. Oh, I have to unsign. Can I scratch that out? <laughs> uh, can we amend what I signed? Um, that type of thing. Um, even I remember pastors in, in school want me to sign like a, a, sometimes when I would go preach at churches or speak at events, you know, they'd want you to sign this like morality <laughs> contract. We won't have you unless you sign the morality contract. And I would go, that's just not biblical. Like to sign a contract with men saying I'll be moral, you know, like, like this, this is weird. Like it, it makes things bizarre. To, you know, I'm like, and they're like, well, all our bands are, I'm like, you're having rock bands. Like even if Christian rock, you're signing the morality agreements, like, you know, we don't trust the Holy Spirit. Or we don't trust their convictions. So we want to have a reason to kick them out. You know, like you kick them out anyway. You don't have, you know, the morality agreement. And they're like, we want people to be in prayer about our festival. You know, I would just always be like, guys, there's like 18 fest. You know, these guys are have like a hundred festivals this summer. They're not going to be praying about your one festival. Anyway, that's the stuff that goes along with it. But back to my own honest themes. So this past week, you may have heard my, my friend and uh, Carlton Pearson passed away uh, this week from cancer. And... I have known Carlton my whole life. Um, Carlton used to be a guest at on PTL. Um, I remember when we, you know, my father going to speak at Oral Roberts's church um, and speaking at ORU and uh, and having Richard Roberts, the, uh, Oral Roberts' son, on television after he went through a divorce. My dad says, "Hey, come and host some shows," because my dad wanted to help him. Um, so I remembered um, Carlton from those days because Carlton came out of ORU and was a big pastor in, in Tulsa and had the Azusa conference and, and welcomed my father when the Azusa conference happened, had my dad out for that. And... Um, So I, I'd known him most of my life. And so when I, when my dad was in prison, uh, Don and Clarice Polk, uh, who had a big church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, opened up their home to me so I could be close to my dad because my dad got moved from Minnesota to Jessup, Georgia. And they said, hey, we'll let you go to our school here. We have a, you know, a school and you can go to the school and we'll take you on the weekends so you can go visit your dad. You know, Jessup's about two hours and a half away. We'll, we'll, we'll take you there. And so, so that's what they did. And uh, it was great. Um, but sometimes Carlton would rent out their church and have the, or I don't know if rent it out, he would speak and have these huge revivals and thousands and thousands of people would come. It was the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit was the name of the church. And, um, and I remember thinking like, is this guy for real? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, he had nice cars. He had the security, he had all the stuff. They would often come over and eat at the pastor's, uh, over, uh, Don and Clarice's house after service, you know, and I always liked him. He was always very loving about my parents, you know, but there was always a part of me like questioning, like, you know, is this guy for real, uh, you know? Because he had all this, you know, he had everything. Like, I was like, yes, this guy's got everything, you know. Um, a couple years passed, and um, I started Revolution, and then I came back to Atlanta for a while and, and lived with uh, uh, the Polks again. And, and D.E. Polk was really, uh, their son, Donnie Earl, was a huge, um, had a huge impact and really introduced me to grace after that, like really changed my life. And I remember Carlton Pearson, that was at the time where Carlton Pearson came out and said he didn't believe in hell. And uh, it first started as that he, 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 he had an idea of um, he didn't believe that like children who are going hungry in Africa and people who are suffering in other countries of hunger and dying in these ways would be held accountable and go to, go to hell. And through further research and study and prayer, he said, I just don't believe there's a hell at all. Now, I remember when I heard this and I was with DE and I didn't, 
agree or disagree. I, I think at the time I was working at the Gap, so I wasn't really worried about the church at all. I'd kind of taken a time away from the church because I thought God hated me. But I remember looking at DE and saying, buddy, he, well, he is the real deal, you know, because me and, and Donnie Earl would have these conversations in the evening about like, does hell make sense? We'd have all these theological discussions at night because we were like roommates. They gave us the downstairs apartment. So we'd always have these like, half the time I would talk his ear off and he would fall asleep because I'd be still talking about theology, you know, but he had been at school studying theology all day. So it was, you know, probably exhausting to hear my armchair, you know, 20 year old version of what I think theology is. But we had a lot of great conversations. But that's just it was really funny to me is that I knew that in the world that Carlton Pearson was in is that if he said this type of thing, it he'd lose everything. And that was the only way I knew here was somebody who was true and that they were actually following their conviction was by the fact that they were willing to give up you know, it wasn't like my parents who had a scandal and we lost everything. This was someone who was saying, I have a conviction. I believe there is something wrong with our theology and it's a huge part of our theology and I don't believe it. You know, and they're selling, they had to sell off the building, they had to sell off the assets, had to sell off everything, had to go move into a much smaller building and it really took him years and he never came, really came back to where he was at that point. You know, and, and he had Oral Roberts who was like, his friend reject him and Richard Roberts said, you know, oh, he's in the devil's hands. And, you know, they said horrible things about this guy because his theology changed. You know, because that is the thing is often, too, when we live within this convenient truth or this, this uh, truth within lines or truth within limits, you know, oh, you pass, you know, we have, this is our truth. And now you've gone out here and you, you might have the Greek to follow up. You might have the Hebrew study to follow up. You might have, uh, you know, but we don't, you know, and you can't say, and that's so really funny because in that community, you can be like, God spoke to me. But if God spoke to you that there's no hell, or if God spoke to you that it's okay to be gay, then you've misheard, you know, you must misheard. Even though like if you, if, if you do a, a decent work, just a decent word study on something like hell, you realize there's a lot of different concepts being thrown around. And then when you start to do the scholarship look of going back to Paul and what Paul talks about, and, and if is there, you know, and it's almost more like purgatory, it, like Paul's talking about there in anything it's like purgatory and then you either go to be with God's people or you just get annihilated is what it seems that the Apostle Paul uh, really believed um, now if you see it through the lens of the Gospels of how you've read the Gospels then you go oh well, he, he's talking about destruction he must be talking about hell but then you have to realize like you got to let Paul be Paul and realize Paul came way before we heard the Gospels so what we're getting from Paul is what he believed Christianity to really be so there's worth a good conversation here and not to be afraid of it and not to say like, well, we only hold honesty within this, you know, because now you're saying we're not open to any new truths, no new ideas, you know, we're not, we can't, we all can't be wrong. Why do the majority of people believe it? And that's what you often hear. Like, well, why have Christians preached it all these years? I'm like, because our pastors aren't scholars, <laughs> you know? Because it's a tradition that they were, because they signed something down, you know. And then they go start going, well, and here's the thing, as they would say, oh, Carlton is just tickling people's ears. Well, he may have been tickling ears, but it wasn't making him any famous. I ended up speaking at an event with, after I came out as affirming of LGBTQ people and had to let my whole staff go and my church fell apart and I had no place to speak. I ended up getting a booking gig in Las Vegas, and it's not Las Vegas, Nevada, it was Las Vegas, New Mexico, where the most famous thing there is an old hotel that was in uh, No Country for Old Men. So we're in Las Vegas, New Mexico, and me and, and Carlton are both speaking at this event, and I'm like, I used to see Carlton pack out churches, like thousands and thousands of people. Matter of fact, where they had to open up and show TVs in other rooms There'd be so many people at these huge events that they had to do overflow because people wanted to see him speak. And now I'm speaking at him at a thing where it probably, you know, 75 people maybe filled the room. 
and it's like, and he's co-headlining with me, <laughs> so it was like, and I'm at the bottom, like, my career wasn't even close when I was at the top of my career, you know, so here we are together with that, and going through that, and we talked about it, we talked about it, we talked about what was going on and everything, and what it's like to be outcasted by the church, and, you know, um, I had grown up at 11 years old experiencing that firsthand, and then as a, you know, now, and I, at that time, I guess I was in my 20s experiencing it again, but we had these conversations, and um, that time changed my life, that time changed my life with, uh, with Carlton Pearson. I mean, he was just a life-changing person and always showing grace. And, and if you've ever been, I mean, he's just one of these people who's, who's, who's almost enlightened in a way that it's hard to understand. Like, I called him a few weeks before he passed just to say, hey, I love you, man. And, um, and, uh, thinking about you yeah, and, and I know you're going through hell because I watched my mom die the same way and he ended up cur encouraging me and saying buddy you got to go on and and you know he's like, you should stay online I'm like well I'm trying to get a building he's like don't worry about a building brother he's like you know the future of the church is going to be you know you got to be online you got to stay connected with everybody that's how we're going to do it you know the church isn't going to be the same in, in the years to come you know and I couldn't believe here he was you know probably 95 pounds, could barely speak, and he was doing everything he could to keep me encouraged to continue my work. And he was, what a, what a great man. And, and one of the things I've learned from reading even more philosophy is, is that we often just really do fear those who think for themselves, or like even like seeing like, reading books about punk rock in the 70s and things like that and, and this rebellion or, or, or the or, or punk rock with when it was within Belfast, you know, and, and these guys were saying, we don't want this, this, this binary system, you know, we don't want to have to choose between, you know, Protestant and Catholic way of thinking, you know, of, or, you know, an independent, Ireland or, you know, Ireland, Ireland under, you know, like this isn't, this isn't worth dying for, for us. This is this, you know, th that was the rebellion is saying, you know, we just don't want this, this killing each other because that doesn't even seem like the truth from either side of those folks. So, you know, you, you see that like that type of thing scares people sometimes is, is this truth or this, you know, the Reformation, when the Reformation happened, you know, they, they, I mean, funny thing is Carlton also got put on trial. There's a movie about Carlton's life on Netflix, uh, I think something about Sunday. Um, so maybe the call, I can't remember the title of it, but there's a Carlton Pearson movie on Netflix and you should see it. And he got called in front of like a, a committee for heresy, uh, much like Martin Luther, the reformist. But, you know, the Martin Luther was threatened. His life was threatened. They tried to kill him. They tried to do those things. The reformists, you, know, and they're, they're, you must recant. You must recant. And he said, I can't. I can't do it. I have to follow my convictions. Um, you know, and here, when Carlton's asking these legitimate questions, I'm going, could you imagine a hell for those who are suffering around the world that those people are going to hell? You know, these starving children are suffering, and then they go into five times that suffering because of God when they die from starvation. Or, you know, I remember my dad had said, had a, con con a real controversy one time when he said he did not believe that those who died in the Holocaust went to hell, that they went to heaven. Now, how many, <laughs> that's like offensive on all sorts of different levels for some people. Um, <laughs> And he got, you know, people pushed back on him. And he never, he never recanted from that. And he's like, the Lord spoke to me. And there was one of those moments where, oh, God changed his conviction for, or God changed his laws for you, Jim, you know. Um, and that's why I, I sometimes struggle with my dad. And, 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 like, <laughs> he kind of wants to open the door. I'm like, dad, just open the doors, man. Um, 
but like, how do you imagine a God that says sends people like in the suffering, losing everything from you know in the in in, in the Holocaust to all those folks die in the ovens, and then they're in like a, a a real oven of just fire, brimstone, and suffering all day. Um, so anything that we would call evil, we would necessarily you know not be able to justify what we would say is a, is, a, is a foundational theological concept of Christianity would be seen as evil if anyone else done it, but because we say God's going to do it, it's okay. You see what I'm saying? Carlton changed my mind about hell and everything that week we met with each other and that, that weekend. Um, but it was really just one conversation in the car, and it changed everything for me. And, and, and it's like, oh, shit. You know, like, here we go again. You know, and like, I'm tired of, of having crazy ideas and being seen as a radical and, and all this stuff. Um, I mean, hell, half my liberal progressive social justice friends were mad at me because they weren't quite ready to be affirming LGBTQ people. And I was pushing to do that and they were already arguing with me. I'm like, man, if I come in with no hell, now I'm looking just like Mr. Wishy-Washy here. Um, but I had to follow the truth. And so, so often when we follow our truths and we don't have a truth within limits and we, we've got to find something you know, that adds up, we've got to ask these tough questions. We've got to look deeper into it and, and see what's here. You know? And so people say, well, if you start questioning this, then you're going to question that and you're going to question that. I'm like, yeah, that's how it goes. It's true. You know? And... If the Bible can't hold up to it, then it can't hold up to it. For me, there's parts of the Bible that really do hold up to it. There's a message, an underlining message of love and grace and hope and loving one's enemies and never giving up and never losing faith. Always hopeful. There's a truth that to me that will never die, that will always be a part of my life. You know, but there's other things that I go like, this is, just doesn't, doesn't add up. It doesn't add up with the history. It doesn't add up with just my heart. It doesn't add up with the others, what, what it's saying here. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to pick and choose but I have to negotiate. We all have to negotiate. We're all negotiating biblically with the text. You know, and I, and I was writing, I was like, you know, I'm, I had somebody argue with me, what about the creeds? You know, I've never been a man on creeds. I grew up with some of the gods so we didn't have really any creeds. And I know that like a lot of on mainline denominations, so people are like, what about all the creeds over the years? I'm like, well, those, now, now you're telling me the creeds are what, you know, what, the Bible's not working, so I figured this out. Now I have to follow the creeds. Now those are what, you know, so you see the, 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 the goalpost gets moved of the truth. Well, what about the creeds? I'm like, that's creed, that's traditions. It's like, that's peer pressure from dead people. You know, it's, 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 they didn't know, they did with the best with what they understood. You know, now we are able to understand more and see things differently. We should be able to reform and continue to reform, continue to grow, and continue to ask these tough questions. You know, for me, it's exciting because I feel like Christianity is still good news. Like these things weren't like, oh, the part about loving your neighbor <laughs> or the part about God loving you never. Those aren't true. Those are the things that aren't telling me. They're, they're saying some of the really weird stuff isn't true. The really sexist stuff isn't true. And I'm going like, you know, but it doesn't win you any friends, doesn't win you because there's nothing, you know, you know, Christians love two things that, you know, they, they, they love capitalism and they love hell and they love heretics, <laughs> but they love to, 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 to break down heretics and tear down heretics and, 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 and you know, shoot, shoot the heretic, you know. And, and love us in a conditional way of saying, well, if you're willing to come back into the fold, you know, and I've seen people, I remember same time I became affirming and then bought into hell as my theology went bad for a lot of people could not stand with. My mom passed, my marriage fell apart. I remember like people I really respected, other pastors being like, God's just taking his hands off of your life. And I'm like, so God's like, it was God's protection that my wife wasn't, you know, having an affair up until this point. It was God's protection that my mom didn't have cancer until I, you know, for some reason I gave my, you know, my mom's going to die now because I think it's okay to be gay or because I've had a conversation with Carlton Pearson and I don't believe there's a hell. Um, so, 
What do you do with that? Um, and it's funny now that I know, how, you know, how I judge uh, if, if if I trust a lot of Christians as if they're heresy, you know, if they're willing to risk their heresy for everything. You know, there was no argument that he didn't believe it, that he didn't really believe it. You know, you really believed it. And you can, you know, like, even if you disagree, I think there's got to be a amount of respect of saying, like, if you're willing to give up everything for that point, whoa, you know, it's worth taking a look. I mean, if you're Carlton Pearson and you're like the next big thing and the Oral Roberts is going to fill into his shoes, like that his son can't even, you know, and you're willing to give all that up for this, you know, pretty big, pretty, 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 you know, I'm going to, I'm able to respect that, you know, um, and I've done it myself, and I know it sucks really bad, and I didn't lose half as much as, as Carlton did. So Carlton was, 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 what a wonderful human being, and I'll miss him greatly, and I'm greatly for his effect on his life, and the fact that he remained, he was not a, ever a fair-weather friend. Even before that, he loved my mom, he loved me, he loved my dad. You know, he was always about restoration, even before his, 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 even when he did believe in hell, when he always felt like he had to save everybody. He was all over the world trying to save everybody from hell, he said at one point. So he thought that's what he had to do. Um, so he was a good friend. And uh, one of the reasons why I don't want to give up, just this past few months, you know, this past month, I'm on the phone with a man who's, who's, who's whose body is, is saying it's time to go. And I'm calling him to be like, oh, are you okay? And him, he's not being like, oh, Jay, it's awful. I can't believe I'm losing it. I just oh, I feel horrible. He's sitting there and saying, I want to encourage you, Jay, to go on. And I'm going like, brother, I'm going to carry the message. We'll continue to go forward. But like, I called to encourage you. Well, I need to encourage you, you know. And when the Bible talks about in Galatians, my favorite book you know they'll know them by your fruit you know and i'm getting love and peace and patience and kindness and joy and being encouraged to be long-suffering and continue in my work by carlton as he is on his deathbed uh i see the fruit of the spirit within that dark moment and within the valley of death he's still giving the fruits of the spirit to feed me to continue my work you know and that's that's how we know, not by theological standards or by degrees or by things like this, but by that. And you got to ask yourself, how many people tow a theological line or a denominational line where you experience that type of love and grace and peace and patience and joy? Um, So I have respect for people who, 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 who lose everything and won't recant to get their Mercedes back um, or just a living wage. I want to read this quote to you. We're almost done, folks. I'm sorry. I kept, I've got the kids in the other room watching their tablets. So we'll get through this real quick. Somebody had to take the first step and as always, you are hated for making the first step, even though they may agree with you eventually. Afterwards, they'll want you to go away because you remind them of how foolish they were originally. And uh, I think that happened a lot with Carlton, and I, I've seen it happen in my own work. And that's a quote from John Lydon or, or, or Johnny Rotten um, from his book, uh, what is it, No Black, No Irish, No... Something else. There was another, but his first autobiography. He's written like three of them, and I've read them all. I'm, I like the guy. Um, when you dig deep, you see a lot of the things that are said about that person aren't true. Imagine that. Um, but that idea that when people take the first step and challenge you, and and use that's why usually we're not within their lifetimes. They aren't seen as like oh, because they, they often they will remind you like oh I was you know I really had no problem with people being tortured and burnt forever 
I was okay with that and kept going and serving a God who was going to do that to people. And now I don't. And I see it, you know, why didn't I question? You you get all these kind of things. But for me, that's just part of growth. You know, like I've written three books, but I don't agree with 100% of any of those guys, that guy anymore, because I've grown, I've changed, things have happened, you know. So that's just part of life and learning and being able to, 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 to have the... The ability to do that, you know, and just like, yeah, nobody has it all together. I was going to, you got to believe the man of trust, the man of God, you know, same today, tomorrow, yesterday, forever. Well, that might be, be, but now we're finding out that that wasn't what it meant originally. So obviously we all need to change our minds, right? Oh no, it's the, 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 you mean it's the customs that we all believe. That's what we're going to hold sacred, not the truth. You see what I'm saying? That's where you have these truth within limits honesty within limits and we don't want to be truly honest like when i work with people when i worked with folks on just this recently who in this documentary about my parents there are certain things are like this is not we got to figure this out we got to have this conversation we got to do this and and there are people who don't want to hear things like it's not just christians it's just people they want more business talk they want us to agree you know and you start saying things and we, we don't say it that way you don't do it that way you don't think that way so this is not just and when john rotten saying this he's not talking about christians he's talking about other you know people in the scene and the and he's really actually talking about i'm talking about evangelicals at this time but he's talking about the british you know so you can see how this truth within limits works for a lot of people and even when you do bring the truth that you're sometimes you're not celebrated and then sometimes you're just a reminder of like, oh, well, we should have, you know, should have, would have, could have. Um, I still have friends today who are now affirming who, who, who weren't when I came around and I was really pushing that still don't like me because I pushed a little too hard back in those days. Um, and that's just, you know, part of it, I guess. Um, and I have to be honest, like just Carlton's heresy is I have to be the more I've studied real real scholarship and real biblical historians the more I've studied the more the idea starts to seem to be an idea that was added later to the gospels the idea of hell uh, to really get people to convert quicker and that's hard for me to say because I don't want anything to be added to the Gospels. I want to be a red-letter Christian. It all has to be perfect, you know what I mean? And um, But i am always been Paulinian anyway, but, you know, I want all the red letters. I don't want that to be, like, the most untouched. And and when you start to go, oh, well, that's been touched and messed with a little bit, it gets... It, it, I don't like it either. I don't like it either, folks. I don't like what I'm learning sometimes. But that's just the facts, you know? Um, because I used to be able to explain it away with just saying, well, if you do the Greek study and you see the three words, you got to use, see which words Jesus is using, blah, 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 you know, and then you start going and I'm going to be like, well, this might've been pushed when people were writing these story down. These are things that they might've been like, well, let's just put this in there. We'll speed things up. You know, you go like, oh, first of all, if I say that out loud, I seem crazy. And then second of all, it doesn't feel comfortable, but the truth isn't always comfortable. The truth is not always convenient. Um, you know, uh, it's not always within the limits that we want it to have. You know, it's always not within the party line. Uh, you know, like I would just like some honesty with limits so I could sleep better at night, not worrying that like I have to say something else that's going to alienate people because I wanted my kids to have a good Christmas or I want us to be able to eat uh, and, and, and I want to pay my rent on time. You know, I mean, like that's what it's come down to, you know. I'm like still having to be like, no, what I was raised with, what my mother taught me and believe it or not, what Jim Baker taught me and what these people taught me was this radical honesty, this radical love, this radical, that caused me to go down the same road that Carlton probably went down the same road because he was raised to think the same way too and how important it was. And then when we find that this, even if it's a staple truth or something we believed in or the greatest tradition with all the creeds agree on, if it's, we find that it's not, we have to say it. You know, maybe it's the death drive. I don't know if you want to get Freudian on us. Um, and like I said earlier, at best, Paul believed in annihilation. Uh, if, you, if you read Paul separately from that influence. Um, 
So what is at stake? Well, I'd say what is at stake is, is loyalty to a tradition and not a question, you know, we have we, to not question the facts. That we'd rather be loyally to a tradition and, and not have the art, you know, and not question the facts. So I'll go like, okay, well, this is my loyalty. It's to the tradition. It's to this creed. It's to this denomination. It's to this way of thinking. It's to my audience. It's to these, to the people who pay my bills. And so we will not, we will have, the, the tradition will be the, we will be loyally to tradition. We will not be loyalty to Christianity as an idea that grows or that we find out new things about, but we will be loyal to Christianity as a tradition, to the past, not to the future, uh, because it's supposed to not change, even though we, maybe we got the tradition wrong. We've had it for so long that time and tradition and peer pressure and the majority rules uh, of thinking will be what dictates how we allow this to be. And the fact that the majority believes in something really horrible and awful and bad and not good news at all, and obviously makes even Jesus' coming seem like, oh, now that we have all this to choose from, doesn't seem like a great idea. Um, I mean, think about all the little kids you've seen being held bloody you know, the children, they go, well, Jay, they're not the age of accountability. Even think of adults and, and being bloody and held and disfigured. I saw a picture of a little baby blown up. It was horrific, you know. Um, and then, of course, that baby went to heaven, right? But but some of these people are going to hell because they're at the age of accountability, Jay. And that's just how it is. So they've gone from one hell to another hell, from one horrific hell to another horrific hell that will never end. Is that what we believe? Is that what you think? And you go, oh, I'm just going to praise God for that. I mean, some of my Calvinist friends have been really good at that. Like, if God sends my son to hell, I'm just going to worship God for burning my child. You know, I'm going like, doesn't work for me. And that's why I had to ask the questions. But there's fact is, why do I still tote Christianity? Because I don't believe that is Christianity. I would have thrown the whole thing away. Probably. I mean, now when I was a father, yeah, I would have thrown the whole thing away. But thank goodness to people like Dan and other scholars, because I don't, I don't have any Dan's books, but I read other scholars who, 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 who relieved, showed me this. Christian scholars and atheist scholars and agnostic scholars, you know. Um, I don't have one favorite scholar. I, Dan is probably the only like, scholar I name off the top of my head. I have a lot of theologians and a lot of philosophers I like. So, love never gives up, never loses faith, always hope and through every circumstance. God is love. Um, love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it's been wrong. You know, when you, when you start to look at things like that, you go, okay, eternal torture doesn't make sense anymore. Um, that, that's today's point. The point is, is, is to not count out the heretics uh, when they are sacrificing their life for a message, like, you know, not counting out people like Carlton Pearson or Martin Luther or people like that. Also, the message is, is not uh, being content with honesty within limits. And you'll say, well, Jay, does that mean I have to be rude to everybody? That's up to you. I'm not here to tell you what it has to be. Like when someone says, oh, do you like my hat? And you go, mm, that's like the passive aggressive. Oh, that's very special it's a very unique hat um <laughs> maybe you could just become passive aggressive um or you just go like no i don't like it you know um because often we when we see people who live the uh, truth without limits we think that they're people who are hard to handle or they're we don't like oh i don't like that person says things that i don't like you know they say things that are very you know not always the nicest um, you know, uh, their trouble in the office because they question my authority, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Um, so honesty isn't, you know, we always say it, we all want honesty within limits, but nobody wants to be like, is this, you know, do I look fat? <laughs> oh no, you look great. You look good. You know, um, I always knew that like my mom was like, oh, you're looking healthy. I knew that that <laughs> Might want to cut back on the uh, on the French fries, but how honest is how honest is honest is honesty important to us in our faith and in our religion and in our traditions and within our theologies and within our 
philosophies, but also within our politics and these ideas, is honesty the best policy? And are we open to radical honesty um, and following our convictions to the point of uh, great cost? And I believe that that's what this faith, this idea, this religion of Christianity calls us to do is to love to the point of great costs, to care about others as great cost, and, um, and, and do that. And I'm not really worried about an afterlife. What I'm worried about is life before death, and how well we live that with each other, and how well we, there is a hell, but it's here. You know, it's, 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 it's happening in the Middle East right now. It's happening, in, you know, in, all over the world. Where, you know, it's happening in the Congo right now. You know, and there's just is a living nightmare, a living hell. And our lives should be, how do we, do we, do we keep, save people from hell now? How do we grasp people out of the suffering now? How do we love people to the point where, how do we, how do we not ignore the stranger? How do we love the stranger as ourselves, who's building on the iPhones and putting together iPhones and mining in the mines with the kids with no shoes on, getting, getting the port for the iPhones and mining the, you know, and, and picking the cocoa beans and, you know, and how do we say, hey, listen, I'll pay for more chocolate if, if, if you, you know, you pay these kids and, and pay the farmers and, and allow them to have a living wage. How do we do that? So it's bigger than just a couple preachers saying, well, ah, these people are in and these people are in and there's no hell. It's bigger than that. You know, it's, it's a real suffering in the world that we need to, you know. Theology seems ridiculous when that type of suffering is going on and death is going on and people are suffering like that. And to me, I think that's, when, yeah, that's the point of Christianity is helping us realize like tradition and theology and all that shit don't count if there's people my enemy suffering, if my strangers are suffering, if my loved ones are suffering in this way, something else, something's got to be done. There's got to be a bigger sacrifice made here on everybody's behalf uh, to bring that. So that's why we talk about like arguing well and disagreeing well and having these conversations and so we don't destroy each other, so we don't put each other out on the streets for having unique thoughts and different ideas, you know, and uh, try to recognize Reformation when it arrives, not just hundreds of years later. So anyway, thanks for listening. It was a long talk. I thought it was going to be like 20 minutes given on my notes, but it was much longer. Thanks for listening and putting up with my rambling. Also, like, um, I don't know, is there a nonprofit day for, for there's Black Friday, then there's Small Business Saturday is Sunday, Nonprofit Sunday. Or profit, profit Sunday. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's online Cyber Monday, right? Um, <laughs> capitalism. Um, but yeah, revolution. If you'd like to support revolution, that's how we make it. You can go to revolutionchurch.com and uh, support this work. And that's how this word will continue to go out, what it is and how we continue to have these conversations and do this. So you go to revolutionchurch.com. And you can give on um, uh, on PayPal or Venmo um, is how we're doing it right now. Um, I'm having issues with getting everybody's addresses off of the Venmo because it goes to our accountants, and we have to pay the accountants, and which we do because they're the accountants, so they can write themselves a check. But there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, so we're trying to do that. But I just want to say thank everybody, especially this past month, for showing up this month. You know, I, I got turned down by like five or six different places, uh, grocery stores for uh, trying to get jobs because of my schedule with my kids, um, which is really weird. Um, hopefully maybe next year that'll not be an issue. Um, either the church will be back to where it wants to be or it'll be easier to find a job without the holiday schedules. Um, but thank you for that. I want to say thank you for that. And, and you know, we probably need to raise about $4,000 uh, to keep us going till the end of the year. And that's where we're at. And so uh, if you can do that, <laughs> just one person, but, you know, I don't know. There's 14 on us right now. I don't know what the math would be on that. But if you can give, no matter what, this, it helps. And you also get a tax write-off for those of you who, 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 who worry about those type of things. And, 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 and uh, you get a tax write-off for giving because we are a 501c3. Uh, and all that. So thank you for uh, 
your help, support. Thank you for making this a reality and giving me the time to read all these different books and people and, and theologies and uh, scholars and, 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 and you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I don't know. I just feel like I, that's my ability is to read these things and bring them down into an easier way to understand because I struggle to understand them just at once, but trying to bring them to everybody and have us think differently, celebrate each other for that. And um, with the help of great scholarship and great philosophy and, and great books, you know, and great lives lived and help others live life well and set them free from life as a living hell. So hopefully that just makes us all a little bit nicer. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, I will see you next week. Revolutionchurch.com. Um, say hi on Instagram. I'm on over there mostly. Okay. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.